Welcome to Seishiro. <laughs> I'm Scoop uh, you, Magoo. You, you, you can just start it over. I'm just I'm I'm cutting out that first All right. part anyway. So. Yeah, so uh, we have not done an album anniversary <laughs> for a little while now. Just start it over from the beginning. I was trying to, and then he told me. Just welcome to Seishiro. Welcome um, to Seishiro. I'm Scoop Magoo. And I'm Jim Jam. And we... Um, oh my god. <laughs> we... I've not done an album anniversary for a while, so we looked at some of the anniversaries from June, and we, uh, we have a we have there a, a lot we have deluge, if you will. <laughs> there are several, and they're like all our favorites. Yeah, so we, in lieu of just kind of sprinkling them throughout the next few episodes, are trying to get all of them. We just picked four that are mutual favorites of both of us. Yeah, have been for a while, and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about them. And I'm not too salty about leaving out Faith No More. Okay, or, well, um, I I honestly have not listened to much, if any, Faith No More. So we should we should talk about that. I love that album. So I I feel like at some point we're gonna have to talk about that. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, we have four albums. What do you want to talk about first? Because I have them all right here. Do I just go alphabetical order? Um, whenever I can't decide, you know, I, I just let's just go in the order that they're in right now. All right, perfect. Okay. So Captain Beefheart, uh, Trout Mask Replica. Is such an odd. <sighs> Probably should have done this last, but um, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to to pierce through because, yeah, it's what. So for me personally, um, I found a vinyl copy of this at Newberry Comics. It was it's pretty was pretty beat up, but it was a little it's more than I usually pay for vinyl. Yeah, but I was like, when's the next time I'm gonna see this? And lo and behold, I think it was reissued a little while ago. And it was but, really yeah, it was expensive. Yeah, reissued by Third Man. Yeah, records. and it was like really expensive. Because so of course it was. I, I finally I grabbed the vinyl copy and dug into it more. This is after we um you know we first talked about it. I first like recognized like this is very dense, but I appreciate what's going yeah, on. Yeah, th- this is way back when um we were doing Heavy Vanguard. Um, yeah, Heavy Block is heavy, and, and I think listening to that more helped me to to pierce a bit. You know, listening to it in that format, it felt more like the way it was. You know, it, it brought me back to that time. I, I liked how that the production brought out the the details of it because there's just so much there's so much going on in this. It's really, I mean, I guess it's a avant garde rock, experimental rock. But I I was trying to think of this last time because I I, I mean, okay, my, my official stance is that I I don't think I think it just belongs in avant garde music. I I don't think it could, like. Because, like, whenever you place in something more constraining, it kind of, like, parts of Trap Master Group can kind of, like, slurp out of that, yeah. that genre a little bit. Like, you know, put it in, like, blues. It's like, well... It's not really a blues it's not really album. Blues. It's not really a rock album. It's not really a rock album. Not really a free jazz album. It's yeah. just avant-garde. But um, I found the perfect name for this thing when I was listening to it yesterday. It's it's Hillbilly Free Jazz. That's, that's not bad. I yeah. like that. Uh, because while I was listening to this thing, I think it was... Um, yeah, it was Eligaru that because like they they have like that weird riff in that that is just like dun, 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 and it just like when I was listening to it, I'm just like, man, this is like this is like music to marry your cousin to. Yeah, <laughs> but you're you're like sophisticated hillbilly. Yeah, that's the weird yeah. thing about this is just like it's 
it, it just sort of defies all expectations, which I, which yeah. I think is why it's been such like a cult classic for all these years. Yeah, it's just like. But, but I think what's interesting for me and the reason I started off the way I did is that I'm glad I bought it when I, I did. Yeah. Uh, because it's kind of, it's penetrated a certain section of the mainstream. Like, uh, you, you know, Vox? Yeah, they yeah. Made, I, they made a video th- th- dissecting it. Of. Yeah. And there's, a, you know, I think Pitchfork did a big article on it and other, like, more mainstream general publications and music publications have latched onto this. Uh, I mean, it makes sense because of the anniversary. You know, that's why we're talking about it. Well, but they- it's that Vox article was a couple years ago now. It was like a one or two, yeah. But like, yeah. I mean, like around, because I think I bought the vinyl uh, a few, a couple years ago, um, or a year or so. In any case, it's interesting how it's kind of become, um, I don't know, like like that, it's interesting enough that people who wouldn't otherwise listen to avant-garde music want to, like, yeah, but I don't it, know. I, I mean, like, I feel obviously. Like it's, it's almost for, like, for the memes, more than anything. Yeah, because I mean, it is. It's incredibly. I mean, it's so well known, and it, but in, it isn't in terms though. Of, in a way, it's yeah. It's, it's like I think it's more like if there's a weirdo in pop culture, there's like a hundred percent guarantee that they've that they've listened to this. Yeah, because it really does. At least currently, it's in a very, it's a very unique niche where it's it's very much on the fringes, but also, um, it's not so on the fringe, or it, it's enough in the know that it's kind of, if you know about this album and if, you know, more importantly, if you like this album, then it shows some kind of sophistication. I'm guessing that's what people interpret it as is like, Oh, like I like Charlie. It's kind of a, a shared experience almost that like, Oh, yeah. I've listened to Charlie Mass or I, I know. Cause it, it's so, it's like in many ways, it's a, a relic of its time. Like just the relic of experimentation of like the, uh, you know the area era came out from yeah but, but that's the thing like i i feel like even if you went back in time and sort of tried to like replicate the events you would still need beef art for this yeah like well, and the, the the second half of what i was gonna say is it's a relic of this time but also doesn't sound like anything at the time like i, I feel yeah like, i feel like just but, the way it came together and and the way it, it's it's endured is the well, so the thing is, like, sometimes when people use the label, like, oh, it's not, like, like it's sort of, you know, ahead of its time or what have you, like, you know, it, they have an idea in place, you know, that it's like, oh, we're talking about, like, 10 years later. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, maybe not a great uh, comparison, but, like, 808s and Heartbreak, something like that, but, like, you know, nowadays we kind of know, we, we kind of seen its influence. Yeah. But this is, like, this doesn't have any time. Like, it's, 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 a it's it's an album that's completely taken out of time and space yeah and just kind of just omnipresent yeah <laughs> in a way like it's so fucking bizarre yeah and the weird thing is just like how it's how it sort of you know, like it straddles all these lines that like you know there are professional composers who actually listen to this album yeah and like actually, if you watch the video, Samuel Andreev, uh, he was the composer that they interviewed in the video. He has a whole video actually just talking about the track Fraunland and how like this is all like polyrhythm going on, even though like it sounds like nonsense. And I mean, I think it kind of is to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, there's still like an incredible amount of like music theory behind it, despite the fact that Captain Beefheart pretty much did not know any music theory. That's that's interesting to me, you know, because the way that it's been dissected, 
Um, do you think it, it's it's a case of people kind of putting, or, or kind of speaking on Beefheart's behalf, but not really representing what he was trying to do? Um, see, I I think of it more like you know if you make any like so the conversation we have now, somebody could go to and you know take a tuner to this and be like, oh, you're you're speaking at like you know ninety eight cents, you know, or something like that. I, I think it's more like a post. Um, you know, looking at it, I think it's like a post analysis. Yeah, so type it's, of it's, thing. it's not so much this is what he was intending to do. But yeah, this, no, this is what he did. This is just what he did. I don't think he was intending to do yeah. any of that because I don't because I honestly don't think he knew about any of that. Even yeah. though a lot of that stuff, I think, was starting to uh, come more to a head at that time because you know I think we're right around the time when like minimalism was starting to really become a big thing and like new like contemporary classical music. Yep. And so, you know, I, I could see it sort of having that sort of influence, but I, I just don't think he has any idea. I think it's just like, you know, kind of that mad genius kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of uh, archetype that just like, they're sort of able to like pluck things out of the ether and sort of put them down. And, you know, like you, you, you don't try to question what they're doing. Because, like, even if they could explain it to you, you wouldn't understand it. Yeah. And it, th- th- that isn't to say that, like, oh, they're somehow above you. It's just that I think it defies explanation. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, <laughs> I, I always I always reference it, but uh, David Lynch famously, he actually really likes this album, mm-hmm. first of all. But um, he's famously sort of dodged any people, like, anybody's... Um, interpretations of his work like you know he's been interviewed on like charlie rose and he'll say like you know i i like it means whatever you want it to mean and like you know uh because i think he you know for his creative process he has like these there are sometimes these visions not like vision visions but like he'll get an idea in his head and he'll sort of try to play around with it or you know um Little things like 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 um, I mean, you still haven't watched Blue Velvet, and I'm, I'm just so disappointed in you. Um, but the beginning of Blue Velvet is is a kid finding a severed human ear in just a grass field in yeah. this town, and I like so like that image I think played a big part in you know uh, creating the whole movie for him. That you know, so I, I think it's like that. I think you know, Beefheart had a couple of these things that like really. You know, got to him, you know, fast and bulbous. Yeah. And here, a tin teardrop. <laughs> Just, that's right, the mascara snake. Um, and, like, I think he just kind of played around with them and fussed yeah. with them until, you know, he got this thing. And I, I think part of it is also because Frank Zappa, who produced the thing, just famously gave him complete control over everything, which is yeah. kind of why this album sounds like a mess. Yeah. Because uh, he famously, I, I I think if I remember right, he wouldn't he refused to use studio headphones. So when it came time to lay down his vocal tracks, they would always be like kind of off. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is a weird album. I mean, yeah, so it's just, <laughs> that's really what it boils we've, down to. We've established this. It's a strange album. I feel like we could. Someone could probably have probably someone probably already has an entire podcast just dedicated to this album. Yeah, because uh, I, I could see that. I mean, you you could spend 
an episode on every single track in here. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think when it comes to this, like, when it comes to a lot of these albums today that we're talking about, um, there's not much that we can say that hasn't already been said. Yeah. And so I wonder whether, you know, we talk about sort of our own personal relationships with these maybe instead. Uh, because like, for instance, like this thing has been talked about so much and like, you know, like, like a couple of the things I just mentioned that like, oh, student, he didn't use studio headphones. Oh, he, you know, Frank Zappa gave him complete control or like he famously like used a piano to compose everything, almost everything in yeah. this, despite having never played the piano before, yeah. you know, um, like all these are pretty well-known factoids. And so, you know. I think it becomes irrelevant for us to repeat them after a bit. So I feel like we should talk about sort of our own thoughts on these. And sure. this in particular, really, I find this to be a weird, like weird album, but, but not only because of just the music, but it's, it, it, it it's like sort of, I mean, it, it, it obviously takes a lot from like, you know, like surrealist type of art. Yeah. Um, but there's sort of this dream logic to it that if you listen to it enough, it starts to actually make sense. And then, but then once you stop and then restart again, it's kind of gone. Like if you have any, any span of time in between that, if you get what I'm talking about, yeah. that like, like I remember when I first, when I first listened to this album for the very first time ever was um, on my way to work back in like, 2015 yeah good no it was 2016 yeah and um and like i was i think so frownland i was like this is fucking weird and bizarre yeah and then the second track the the dust blows forward and the wind dust blows back that that whole like solo you know vocal piece that he has yeah i was like what is this and like i was like i i think i made a big mistake yeah <laughs> buying this and like but as I kept listening to it, it sort of clicks in your brain a little bit. And then, you know, you the more you listen to, the more it makes sense. And I had the same thing yesterday. I think I really haven't listened to this thing a whole lot, all things considered. And just when I had it on yesterday, like first track, I think I, I had pretty much the same thing last like that I had last time that, you know, that second track is like kind of kills me yeah. <laughs> in a way. And then by the time I'm out, like, you know, to, like, um, like, my human gets me blues, probably, or, like, you know, hair pie bake, too, you know, yeah, fast and bulbous, um, I, I start getting really into it, yeah, so it's just, it's just strange how it works like that, and, like, you know, Matt, Matt Groening, Groening, uh, creator of The Simpsons, he actually really loves this album, too, I guess it's, like, one of his favorite albums ever, mm. and, like, he was saying that, like, the first time he listened to this, he thought it was complete bullshit and they just put it on again and again and again and again and he just it finally made sense like I, i've read i remember reading somewhere that like that i don't know if it was like a reddit or something like that but like whoever wrote this comment said that he um he puts on trap mask replica the minute he wakes up <laughs> really yeah and I'm like, like, think about starting your day to like trout mask. Yeah, yeah. Like, like talk about a weird day, man. Yeah. Like that, that's like that, 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 that's a day where like, 
I don't know, like a policeman like drives backwards to take you out of jail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, yeah. Um, but you know, I, as I, I love this album, but I think it, it there are some parts of it that still gets me a little bit in ways that I'm not too huge. And I mean, again, like that second track, just really like there are a couple of times where he just shows up on like these solo tracks that are just really difficult to listen to because because yeah. it feels like there's not a whole lot to them. And then there's that song, uh, Pena, Pena, however you say it. Um, that has like that I don't know who who's doing that voice, but it's like really yelpy and high. Yeah, yeah. Which that like I'm I'm glad that only lasts a track because that would give me such a fucking headache. Yeah, sure. Uh, what what about you? Yeah, I feel uh, like that this album operates in a very unique space between appreciation and enjoyment for me. Like, yeah, at, at least you know, <laughs> like because I don't want to. There are certainly. There are pieces of music that I, I appreciate more than I enjoy, um, yeah. in the sense that you know, like I understand, you know, I like what they're going for. I appreciate the ambition or what have you, but the execution or just the general songwriting isn't isn't my thing. Uh, I really do enjoy every time I listen to this. It's like its own experience. It uh, really is. I feel like I'm just I, I strap in, you know, see what happens. Even you know, listening to it again for this episode, it just felt like wow, this is you know, you forget all the interest, or at least I do for me. Like I come back, I'm like, wow, this is even stranger than I remember. Like obviously, you know, getting to a weird experience. Um, it can get a little difficult to listen to. Like, obviously, especially since it's so different from most of the other music I listen to, you're like, wow, this is just so both in the way it was created, what it's actually trying to do. Um, I think that's why I don't listen to it as often as I'm other, like I, the other three albums we're going to talk about, I mean, I listen to relatively often throughout the yeah, year or whatever. Yeah, like, th- this is something you put on rarely. It's, you know, it, it's, it's like sort of like, I, I think I've described it before that like, I think I described it like the same way I described uh, the latest Anwan Tobin album that it's like, it's like this rare, you know, piece of candy that you have like every so often. Yeah. Or like you know, like a like a nice cognac or something yeah, like that. Exactly. Um, except that this is like, you know, not, there's nothing fancy about this at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm, I will say, I think unless you have anything more to say. No, I, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a very. Um, I think it's worth anyone who, who considers himself like a music fan or whatever. I think it's worth listening to at least once. Yeah, it just it's one of those singular releases that. I think if you want to appreciate music and you want to just have explored the different corners of what music has had to offer over the last, you know, several decades or millennia or whatever, um, I just feel like this is an important experience to have. It's a very very singular piece of art from... Yeah, I I will say, though, like, if you're listening to it, one, don't, like, you know, if you're going to be like, oh, this is too difficult for me, like don't worry about it like because i i think with difficulty like there comes like this expectation that like oh you have to understand things yeah like, no, i mean you know lo- lo- like famously like on a like a finnegan's wake that like yeah. oh like you have to understand finnegan's wake to actually have right to read it when it's like people are still arguing about you know the veracity of finnegan's wake mm-hmm. you know today and it came out in what like the 30s yeah, you know, so like they, I mean, this album is fifty years old this month, and you know, 
any attempt to get to any sort of definitive meaning will always end in failure. Yeah. And so you're, it's best to just simply listen to what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's going to be uncomfortable at times and weird. And, but it's one of those things that's just worth it at the end, I would say. Um, I think, you know, as much as I, I don't think there's any meaning to be had here, I feel like there's still certain parts of it that you can kind of interpret in certain ways because, you know, like people think of surrealism as like this impenetrable kind of, you know, weird state when it's it's more like it's connecting things like unconsciously you know like i i think of like um do you remember that salvador dolly telephone that he made that was like uh it was like a lobster instead mm. of like the actual phone yeah. like you know you, you can see the connections there that it's like oh lobster you know clips yeah like it's it, the claws clack on your ear yeah like yeah you know like the it's it's more like the connections between you know objects and words in surrealism are like it's just like like very they're much they're very buried underneath and like their logic is there but it's not always very obvious mm-hmm. um so i i because i i think that was probably i mean i think that that can throw some people off with art but i think with this i mean i think i think that's part of what makes music such an accessible form is that there really isn't you know you don't have to interpret it as much like there isn't as much pressure to yeah um <clears throat> except that i think when you listen to like this type of experimental music i think sometimes they're like oh what does it mean though yeah and uh it's just like I don't even think Beefheart knew what I mean. No, so, he just kind of so. wanted to create something, and that's this is what came out. Yeah, so listen and enjoy, and I mean, yeah, just I, like this is this is he, he kind of made memes before they were memes. Yeah, like, no, for sure, absolutely. Like, like I'm just thinking, of like, like just I, I almost wanted to go through this album the, uh, this morning on just look through all the genius lyrics <laughs> and and just write down some of my favorites yeah. because there are so many good yeah, ones and absolutely just, like even on the songs that i'm huge not a huge fan of you know like there's still just something funny to say or just i mean fast and bulbous is is the big one here but you know um i think there's one in the second track that's like you know uh i don't know a bean and a tin can you know so it's just like, like some of the stuff you talk it's just like what <laughs> yeah, what are you what are you talking about, dude? What are you doing? Yeah, uh, uh, I would also say anybody who's interested in this thing, check out the history for it. There are some documentaries, not necessarily focusing just on this making of this album, but sort of on Beefheart's life. But they're also like, it's it, it's really fun to to watch because I mean he was an asshole. Like he was yeah he, no he, he treated his bandmates he, very poorly. He yeah. was very abusive when it came to you know treating you know, the people, the, the musicians under him. So, but it's, it's a very interesting story nonetheless. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 50 years old, but that's crazy. Which is still weird. Yeah. You know, that's the weird thing about this thing. It, it, I mean, aside from the whole thing, aside from the whole album being just fucking bizarre, um, is that it feels just as fresh as it did like, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah. Or at least I, I assume, what people thought of it 50 years ago yeah uh though i it definitely wasn't as well received as it is now yeah i mean th- th- this is like 
this is like the big Lebowski of, of music. <laughs> like it's just like it's it it's such a cult album. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, maybe it's like the room. Maybe it's kind of like the room, but like <laughs> it's like a mashup of the room and the big Lebowski. <laughs> well, no, like, like the room has like a cult following, but the thing is, like the room's not a good movie. And there's nobody. Nobody can ever convince me of that fact. <laughs> but this is actually an, a, a, like a cool album. Yeah, like, like oh, you know, for like, sure. like th- there's actually effort being put into this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all right. Now for something completely different. Yeah. Uh, Purple Rain, Prince. Yeah. Uh, or as it says, uh, music from the motion picture Purple Rain, which I'll admit I've never watched the movie. Purple I've never Rain. seen it either. I, I, um, I want to because I I think it's like. The album itself just reeks of the 1980s. Yeah. And you know me. I, I, I love me a piece of the 1980s. I mean, as as a child of the 80s, you know, I was just, yeah, I was all over this. So. Um, as a ch- what? A child of the 80s. Yeah, I was born in 1992. I was a child of the 80s. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll, we'll let our listeners do the math. Yep. Um, <laughs> but this is famously like... Uh, you know, when I'm thinking about this thing, like, can you think of any other soundtrack that is no, beloved? No, this is easily, I mean, in terms of, like, a soundtrack that um, was, you know, composed by one person. Like, obviously, there are soundtracks that are really, well, like, really he, popular with, like, a bunch of other... I'm um, even thinking about, like, just, like, the, those, like, various artist film soundtracks. Yeah, I mean, like, there are some of those that have endured or successful. I can't think of any right now. See, I, but, I can't um, think of any. But like, like this is easily. I mean, movie. it's really easy to to forget this was even a soundtrack. Like it's just it's a really incredibly well composed collection of songs. And to me, I mean, so I've talked. I haven't seen the movie. I talked with my mom like because this is like Prince is one of the few artists that my mom and I can listen to together and yeah. love, love equally. And some of the songs I'll ask her like, how, where, how does this fit into the movie? And um, you know, song like "Do You Want Me," like "Do You Want Him?" Because I want you. That's where the girl he is pining after um, comes to to see him play with another guy, and he gets up on stage and it's just like like you know wailing this, and then yeah, I want. And then she gets she gets she gets him because I guess he designed to like you know drive her away and like she like you know leaves in a huff or whatever so like they definitely they incorporate the songs really well in the movie from what i can tell and i've seen the final scene where he plays purple, purple rain. rain which is a gorgeous song oh, but yeah i mean so this good. uh this is one of those albums i don't think it's too long or like some some albums i love i'm like i wish it was longer i wish it was a bit shorter i think this is perfect like yeah, there's not a, such a goldie there's, there's, yeah there's not a, <laughs> there's not a single song i dislike I mean, obviously, the songs I like more than others, but there's not a single one that I personally don't like. Yeah, I was, um, I was thinking about this the other day when I was well, when I was listening to it yesterday, and I'm like, like there are, like there are a handful of tracks that are like print staples that yeah. you really think about. I mean, "Let's Go Crazy," "Maybe Take Me With You," "Would Doves Cry," "Purple Rain." Yeah, maybe I would die for you. I would die for you is my favorite on the album. Oh, that's yeah. I, but then like there's a uh, there's a track like "Computer Blue." Or like Darling which, Nikki, which is still great. Darling yeah. Nikki's great. Darling like... Nikki, yeah, and and so I, I think that's really cool though. Is that like, like even the deep cuts in this album are still are really exactly. really good. But Computer Blue, I was, I've been really thinking about this track for a while now because like the solo in this in Computer Blue is like so just nostalgic eighties yeah. for me. Just like 
oh, it just, it just like you you can just picture like neon jumpsuits and like <laughs> and like bad hair yeah, styles exactly. and just it, it's so I I love it yeah like, I think it's really cool um yeah <laughs> yeah there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack in this album in a way just because like it's sort of interesting like the trajectory that he takes with this thing because you know we have like let's go crazy where it's just like you know kind of like a party song yeah almost like like it reminds me a little bit of like 1999 yeah just that it's like this like fuck everything yeah exactly dance but then like take me with you is just like kind of like this baroque pop piece yeah and then and then it goes straight like you know beautiful ones which is like kind of like cloudy and airy yeah yeah it's it's so many different uses and moods and uh yet it all it all it's very cohesive it works yeah it definitely and i I think that speaks to something i've loved about prince forever i think this is what separates him um from michael jackson for me is um aside from the obvious well yeah okay (laughs) but we don't have to explore that (laughs) but obviously michael jackson was a better vocalist a, a better yeah dancer not that that matters to me but you know it matters to other people in terms of it you know his marketability or whatever um you know mj was more attractive or whatever like mm. for a lot of reasons people think he's you know like the better pop star than prince for me what i've always admired about prince is he just he can he can do everything like mm. and more importantly like he may not be like i think just in terms of songwriting he's he's phenomenal his vo- voice may not be like the best pop voice, but I think it's super unique, and I still think he can sing really well. Yeah, it's just he, that he, he doesn't he has have a lot of power. he doesn't have like the the quintessential uh, like pop like like an MJ or whatever. I know. I mean, he's compared to him a lot because they both were super prominent in the eighties around the same like, time. Michael Jackson's voice is like one of those things that like you do not hear that type of voice very often. It's like once in a generation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's you know so. Yeah, I think with, like, I, I see, I, I don't know why people would even compare the two, frankly. I mean, I guess because they, they were popular around the same time. They were just big pop stars at the same time, yeah. Yeah, but they're really totally different. No, I mean, absolutely, like, yeah. Michael Jackson has, you know, somewhat of a hand in the making of his music. But not nearly the same way. And Prince does yeah, everything. But, like, yeah, but Michael Jackson, like, you know, like, famously, like, um, what's his name? Um... Like, he had a producer, uh, Quincy Jones, yep. um, you know, who really, I think, helped define a lot of his biggest hits. Yep. Whereas Prince, you know, like you said, he just, he, he could play every instrument on this, on the, on this one, it, this is Prince and the Revolution, so there's, you know, he actually has But musicians. I think he wrote everything. Yeah, he know, writes yeah, it all. Yeah. He, you know, the, there are some albums, you know, I think 1999, in particular, that he plays every instrument on. Yeah, he did everything himself. You know, yeah, yeah like, he's, he's much more, um you know, on the level with the music. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think given sort of his history of, you know, sort of who like battling like, you know, record companies about his music, he's, it's much more personal to him, I think in a way where I think at the time that Michael Jackson was like really big, I think he had already been kind of fed through the fame machine a little bit. Yeah. I I mean, I, I think, you know, it was clear that, uh, however talented he was and however you know well he was able to channel through different modes in his career uh michael jackson definitely was a 
he bought into being a product of, of the moment. Like, you know, throughout his career, you know, he went from doing like soul to kind of like somewhat disco ish to then yeah. obviously being like big eighties pop. Whereas Prince is kind of always, and it hasn't always worked out for him. Unfortunately, like there's, yeah. there's a number of, I mean, he has so many albums and how many of them are as enduring. And yeah. It, I mean, Pr- you, you Prince's nineties run is not yeah. well remembered. And I mean, you can say that about a lot of artists that released a lot of albums over the years, yeah. but just, you know, Whereas Michael Jackson, you have um, many of his albums that are memorable. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, you have the Jackson 5, which is like yeah. a number of albums. And then Bad, that, then, Off the Wall, yeah, off the Thriller, wall, thriller um, you know. But I, I think, yeah, it is always... I'm only bringing this up because he, he fr- frequently is compared to MJ. Yeah, and, and I, 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 and I, 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 I don't get it. And yeah. I've always preferred Prince because of... I mean... You have to respect the the amount of care and effort he puts into his. Like it, it's it's very rare in this genre to have someone not only do everything but be really good at everything. Yeah, like I love how he like obviously his songwriting is second to none. He can play, you know, play all the instruments if he if he wanted to. He doesn't he always a mean do it. Guitar. Yeah, he's an incredible guitarist. Uh, you know his vocals may not be. Um, like like on I, another level, but he has I, a lot I, of versatility. Though, but with I, vocals, I, to me, so. I've always found that versatility is much more um, interesting, much more valuable. Just because yeah. in pop, a lot of times, just can you? It's it's very formulaic. Can you hit the high notes? Can you be okay or like pretty good for most of the song? And then you know, at the end, you'll follow the natural progression. Now it doesn't or whatever. matter. Just well, yeah. Now now it doesn't it. matter at all. But <laughs> I feel like Prince always, like, you know, throughout this entire album. The way he sings is so different. Like we were talking about the, but like when he gets really hot, I want you. And then yeah. you know when he's nice and, and uh, or or just like let's get crazy. Yeah, let's like he can be nuts. fun. He can be so, you know solemn, serious. You know, mood. it's just he can do everything. Yeah. And, and I think the reason this um, means so much to me is it opened up the possibility that my not all the music that my parents and people my parents age listened to sucked because <laughs> i mean at that time i mean you you knew me i was very much death like, like death like all but even that just knew like like i only listen to newer music and stuff like like my parents music sucks and then, i only listen to music i've listened to before <laughs> yeah exactly and, and this was around i mean this kind of helps push things over there were other albums like uh, Boston's first album, you know, my yeah. parents had that on vinyl. I love that. That's still uh, a good album. Yes, I, mean, I don't care what people think. Yes, drama, ACDC. There were a few here and there, but for the most part, I was like, oh, I don't listen to old people music. It's funny because, like, I, I never had that issue with my parents. For the most part, like, there was stuff that they listened to that I wasn't really a big fan of. I'm still not a big fan of, like Bob Seger. Like, I yeah. do not like Bob Seger, but like. You know, like, I think it's because, like, I don't know, they just raised me on Beatles and Billy yeah. Joel, and, like, I love both of those artists very much, so... Yeah, and I, I don't know, I guess I just had a rebellious spirit growing well, up, I but... Also, like, your parents listen to a lot of different music. They do, there's also that, And yeah. my, my parents pretty much stick within that niche of classic rock. Yep. Um... Whereas, like, you know, I, your parents really like Muse and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and like, so. uh, my mom loves Disturbed and Tool and stuff, which, and Rob Zombie, which is, is really, like, I remember they saw, um, they bought tickets because I stayed with my grandparents. They saw a Christmas concert with, um, I don't think it was specifically supposed to be a Christmas concert, but they came to Mass around that time. Yeah. It was Rob, Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne. And, like, <laughs> and they both incorporate, like, I think Ozzy came down in a sleigh dressed like Santa 
oh, like, it sounded like it was a really fun concert. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. I, I, I was hoping that you were going to say that, like, oh, yeah, my family went to, like, Family Values. You know, to every, like, Family well, actually, Values they did tour. Go to, they did go to Family no Values. No fucking when it came, way. Yeah. Or, or they, they, I think they've seen Corn... Yeah, they must have gone because they saw... It was either Ozfest or Family Value because they went to a tour where they saw Mudvayne, which they hated. They saw Corn, which is kind of weird that they don't like Mudvayne, but but anyway. They like Corn. They're weird. I, I would love my parents to like, like, even if it was just a shitty new metal band, like if it was like yeah. Limp Bizkit, if they were just huge Limp Bizkit fans. Or like Cole Chamber or something. Yeah, or something like that. Like, or like <laughs> um, like Snot. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, they're a big Snot fan. <laughs> like like the D-list new metal band. It's like, you know what? That's, that's yeah. Like, something. I, I I would love that. That that'd be so funny. Yeah. Just to, to like be like, hey, you want to put on three? You know, two dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we're getting really off topic. Um, but um, yeah, uh, something. If, if if there was a negative for this, which um, if this isn't something that bothers me really. Like I I never noticed it until Fantano did a, a, a classics review of it. Um, the bass is very minimal. Like the bass is not super present on this album in terms of like or actually i guess the low end is not super present so on this album this is i i don't know if i've talked about this before but like i for some, maybe it's because of i've had like a lot of ear problems as a child but i don't really hear the low end in most music oh okay or at least not i'm not very conscious of it yeah um so it, it takes a, like a while like i really need to focus in on it to actually hear it yeah so like you know i think maybe that's why i like rush so much because you can actually hear getty lee's bass and yeah things like that so yeah. like i've never really thought about it like that but, yeah like, that the low end and was, i never i never noticed it as a negative but like i guess i could see that because the 80s was such a great time for like you know like like low you know kind of the the foundational synths and the basses yeah. and stuff like i was just saying how i bought um greatest hits of earth wind and fire and like the bass work on like a song like september and stuff oh yeah. it's phenomenal like any of that funk or whatever um but other than that i mean i really have zero issues with this album i mean i love I, it. I think it's great i truly love every song i'm so glad that it is the length it is it's it's just a perfect um and i think what helps is just that purple rain is that big grandiose you know beautiful finale yeah is that you know maybe if that was just the same length as the other tracks are a little shorter. It would make it feel that's, not too long. So but that's part of the reason I won't listen to that posthumous Prince album that they put out. That was a, like piano on the microphone. Yeah, because like that version of Purple Rain that that he does is like maybe under two minutes. Which I don't even know how that would work. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I would like to like that. that's the best. The best part about the the track Purple Rain for me is how long it is. Yeah, because he really stretches out like a lot of these you know, emotions that he's really pulsing through this music. Yeah. And like, you know, like, like that, like, like that, 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 core, I don't know, was it like technically a bridge after the solo? Yeah. Uh, but they, they just do that refrain, that wordless refrain over and over again. Yeah. Until the song ends. Like, I, I love that so yeah, much. Yeah, it's so triumphant, so, so yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And it just like, yeah, it's so like theatrical too. I think that's something to look into as well is that you know there's a lot of like he he's he's almost like he's a little like tom waits in in the way that like prince you know is able to sort of write a story into his songs yeah um you know i mean obviously this is part of a movie so like yeah like I, i i feel like maybe we shouldn't count that as much but like you can you can really feel like the things that are you know important in these tracks like when doves cry like you know 
you, you get this feeling of just like strife and, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, um, yeah, just fucking beautiful. <laughs> just, yeah. just, just fun the way yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of what my favorite track is on here. You're, you said I would die for you. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I love the, the bone. Like it's just, yeah. I love the sense on that. It's just, it's. I love the chorus. I think probably when doves cry. Oh, that's. I mean, that's a. That's such a great song. Because that that was actually like the first Prince song that really got me into Prince. Like for a long time, I did not like Prince, and um, I think it was when doves cry, and it was 1999 that 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 really introduced me to like. I'm like, oh wow, this guy doesn't suck. Little (laughs) Red Corvette. Yeah, Little Red Corvette is fucking great. But I was thinking of the title. Oh yeah, yeah, that one too. But I I could die any day. (laughs) And that's. You know, I haven't listened to a ton, to be honest, a ton of Prince albums. It's something I I like to fix. Oh at yeah, some I, point. what um what albums do you have? Uh, I have uh, Purple Rain in nineteen ninety nine. Oh, I, I want because yeah, they, there's a lot more I need to get. Yeah, Controversy is uh, really good. Love Sexy is really good. That's actually something like I mentioned. I, I I've actually finally started writing down the albums I want to buy. Yeah. Um, so I have one tab for my current favorite releases of the year, and then my wish list. Then I have a discographies list. So, like, all the artists where I want a lot of their albums, I'm just putting all the albums I want and then lighting them up green. Yeah. And I'm going to add Prince to that. Because yeah. I love, like, at least, you know, the couple albums I've listened to, I love how he starts off an album. Like, you know. Yeah, actually, so, I I was, I'm really kicking myself right now that we, that I didn't start this entire episode off by saying, you know. Let, let's go crazy. Yeah, no, boy, I just, dearly beloved, we're gathered here today <laughs> to discuss this thing called life. Electric word life. It means forever. That's a mighty long time. (laughs) But wait, there's something else. The afterlife. (laughs) It's just so beautiful. Like, I just, I love that beginning so much. Yeah. And if the elevator tries to bring you down, (laughs) go crazy. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think you said enough. Yeah, um, I'm just glad I got I got that in because that, that's that, that that might be my favorite moment in the record. Even yeah, though it's not my favorite song because I just like who else fucking starts an album off like, like that? that? Like, yeah, like what the fuck? Exactly. Yeah. So okay, uh, next one is Joy Division, Unknown Pleasures. Talk about a, a mood shift. <laughs> okay, that's a good place to start because. People go on and on about how dreary and depressing this album is, and and I will totally admit there are some very very dark moments. Yeah, in this album, but like the opening track is gorgeous. Well, I mean, not gorgeous, but it's, it's super it's, dancey. Yeah, it is. Like like it's just like, you know, like like it's things like that. Even like she's lost control. Even though I think that has like this edge to it, like it, it still has like this weird type of groove to it that yeah. I don't really think of when I think of like oh depressing cutting my wrist music yeah. like um maybe I, I don't know if that was in good taste but <laughs> no i i mean this it's it's more of a i feel like people do put it in a bit of a they kind of typecast it a little bit there's um you know some more of their their warsaw days where you know before before they became joy division where it's a little bit more like shadow play yeah like yeah, more punk you know even like a l- little bit of that you know they have the crunch of the guitar and the driving uh strumming and whatnot obviously the first track is a bit um you know more on the melodic side and then she lost control it's just like a like a perfect like post-punk where like the the bass and that's something that you know like they have another single called transmission which is uh is is great like you know the bass yeah. drive like it, i love 
how on, on several of like my favorite tracks of theirs, like just having that driving bass riff and then have the guitars create the ambiance and the drumming is just very well, tight. That was actually something I because I, you know people have talked like the production is a big part of this album, just in the way that they were sort of able to you know just drench this thing in reverb yeah and sort of create the, this very cloudy moody atmosphere yeah but at the same time it's not like it's a um it doesn't it doesn't lean on it i don't feel like it leans like yeah like especially a lot of um shoegaze albums not so much like i i love my bloody valentine stuff like that but especially i was just gonna say that like like with with like a loveless like the production's cool like they i mean that's the star of the album but when you have that everything sort of becomes like this gloopy audible mess mm-hmm. in a way and i mean that that's the point I, and I it works argue. on loveless but there are yeah. some especially as shoegaze has gone on i feel like there are some bands like shoegaze dream pop kind of like the, the modern indie sphere yeah. that like they re- rely so much like the reverb is such a huge part of what makes and then when you actually look at the songwriting it's not very good yeah and i feel like that's what's amazing about unknown pleasures to me is how much of a balance they were able to strike and how much yeah. it works I, I what i was the point i was going to make was just that like with with like a loveless like you don't really hear any other instrument but the guitars and that yeah like it's like you know the drums are are kind of are a little yeah, lower low. the the vocals are always like either on par with and the they're sort of ethereal lower. and kind of like they don't, yeah. they're not really you know not a script it's, anyway it's a miss it's like a you you, you can't really parse anything out of it. You sort yeah. of have to just take it all at once. Yeah. Whereas with this, like it's very, it's very just precise in how, you know, it's, 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 it's a well-groomed album, like, pr- like production wise. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that like, you know, like on disorder the opening track, like, you know, you hear like those subway, uh, like I think there's submarine sounds that that's what they always sound yeah. like to me. And I think that's like, it, you know, but then at the same time you have like this really good guitar riff that's on top of that. And like really good bass riff. Um, I'm trying to think that it, there was a track in this that I want to say it was it could have been Candidate that um, it had like this bass line that you know was like the main feature of the song, and the guitar you could hear kind of reverbed in the background, yeah. sort of adding like these slashes, yeah, to it. And I I can't remember which track it was. Which I, I kind of feel bad about because it's like I just I kind of look like a like a kind of fuck up, like a noob right now. <laughs> but no, but like even I mean I've listened to this album more times than I I I, I can count. And yeah. Even I forget some of the stuff because I've listened to this just as an album. Exactly. I mean, I, I've talked before about how personally this was probably the the most singularly important album for me branching beyond where I was in high school. It just yeah. after I, I encountered this and it, it helped that um Disorder really helped me get into this album because you had that it it's it fits the rest of the album in a sense, but you have the the melodic nature of the core, you know, riff and just the, the kind of the more of an upbeat of the song. Yeah. It helped me kind of get into the rest of the track listing and I I appreciate the fact that um, when you dig into this album deeper, because again, like everyone just kind of puts this in like all this dreary, depressing, like, you know, gonna, you know, cry and, and read Edgar Allan Poe and drink, you know, wine out of the bottle. Like, you know, w- while it rains out, and if it's not raining out, I'll just like put a hose outside my window so yeah, it looks like it's it, raining. Yeah, did, did the, uh, <laughs> is, isn't there a, um, 
Isn't there a movie where they do that? Yeah. Yeah. Why? But yeah, when you actually John Cusack movie, when you actually yeah. dive into this, and I think we were talking about this earlier that hopefully, in a way, hopefully the people who you know read Pitchfork or read the, these magazines, I, I I hope that this isn't like this doesn't come the next generation's uh, Pink Floyd, Sergeant Pepper, or, or whatever, in the sense that. Like you can go to Walmart and buy like a, like the you know the pink Floyd shirt or whatever or like it's gonna a, be any of those bands and it probably is that's why I say I'm I, I, would, I would argue that it already is and you're, you're probably you're probably right and it, like we were this was a discussion we were having earlier today um, that like you know the, the, these guys were kind of like the first Pitchfork band in a yeah. way and w- which sounds weird because obviously Pitchfork comes afterwards Quite a, yeah. but like this was just like uh, like I honestly truly believe. That if it weren't for like Pitchfork and a couple of those, you know, independent music blogs out there, you know, really, you know, uh, keeping this album alive, yeah. I don't think anybody would really remember this much. Which I mean, I'm I'm glad they did. It's just unfortunately the the ripple effects of that are that they <laughs> because now that everybody and their mom has a Joy Division yeah has t-shirt. a Joy Division shirt and I, and I know uh, some people made some jokes about that like when I was in high school and when. You know, really, college people made a joke about like, oh, like look at that Joy Division shirt. It's like, yeah, because I fucking love this album. Yeah, like I've listened to this in closer, like maybe more than any other album in my collection. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't kept track. Like, I don't, I never, but yeah, you know, it's it's just it's one of my all time favorite albums. I'll be listening to it, you know, you know, until I die, pretty much. We'll, we'll, we'll be playing it at your funeral. Yeah, actually, we'll, we'll be playing Level Tears Apart. Oh, your funeral. that'll be yeah. That won't be heartbreaking at all. Yeah, <laughs> I probably I probably won't play plan my funeral because it won't matter. I won't be there. I won't be there. Well, to I, I, I'll be in charge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is I, I, it's it's difficult to even know where to start with this. It's just it's a phenomenal. Um, in some ways, I, I am content with how they went out with the, the kind of the legacy and the songs they left behind. I would have loved because even the progression from this album, the closer is, is, is interesting. Very interesting. I can't, uh, I can't say I like closer more than I, this I, though. It's, it's very, I don't want to say it's close. I don't know if they're on the same playing field. I just think they're on different fields. Like I don't, yeah, yeah, I, I don't that. really, I don't really know where I'd rank them. Cause I feel like I get something different from each and I would love to have seen, what they would sound like if they went in that level terrace, but would they sound pretty much exactly like New Order, or would they have gone in like a slightly different direction? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know how how I much. Like, I keep having this feeling that if if Ian Curtis was still alive, I feel like they would be just so forgettable. Now I feel like the, the, they would be like a um, maybe not like pavement, but like like one of those post punk acts that's like still around that like people kind of care about, but. You know, it's kind of doing like, 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 like we were talking earlier. Like Wire, Wire is a great yeah, example. Yeah, exactly. They're still pumping out albums, but kind of it's like okay. Yeah, everybody's kind of like okay, okay, fine, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah. So in some ways, to to that to that point, um, I'm kind of glad that they have a, a very because they released a lot of material beyond um, the you know closer and unknown pleasures. They have Warsaw. a ton, a ton of a ton of singles that were really Leaders good. Leaders of men. Yeah, and and you know the transmissions that you know love will tear us apart. Um, there are a lot of other ones. Yeah, most of them are like on like substance and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. They, they have a ton of like compilation albums. Yeah, they have something like fourteen compilation albums. Yeah, because they release singles and, and sessions all over the place. Yeah, oh, they, um, they have a bunch of Peel sessions. My favorite know. song that was never 
I don't even think there's a, there's a, an actual. They recorded like kind of a rough demo, and then there's a live version that's floating around. It's called Ceremony, and it's a really really nice melodic track that was mm-hmm. it was in the vein of Level of Terrace Apart, but you tone down the '80s, you take out the synths, and it was it's like a, a somber but melodic song. Um, but yeah, I think Unknown Pleasures the its legacy kind of goes without saying. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's it's important for the the scenes it helped inspire um and i guess at the end of the day i am glad that we just have this kind of concentrated career you know yeah i i just i i kind of wish that people would stop focusing on sort of the elements around this album and just enjoy the album itself yeah because there's so much to enjoy i mean there's so many great tracks and i think to that to what you're saying um that may be why people typecast it so much is because you know there's just kind of the general uh, theme of what everyone's this is what Joy Division is like. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's a lot more. There was the that, I was just even thinking sort of the t-shirts and just sort of, you know, like it. It, it just feels like the, this this album should come paired with like a pair of thick glasses yeah. and like a wax mustache and exactly. like a uh, um actually pose to it. <laughs> you know. Oh, that's so true. And, and, and like, and it's not. I and I, I don't like that because like it's just. I think it's an album that goes beyond that. Like it, it def- yeah. I mean, it. I think it's known for that now, in a way. And I think, honestly, I think that a lot of that's because of Pitchfork, and yeah. just sort of the people who grab onto this nowadays. Um, you know, and it's just like, it's 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 a little. I mean, we compared this to like Sgt. Pepper, like Pink Floyd before, but like it's very much like Sgt. Pepper in that regard. That like, you know, Rolling Stone can't say enough good things about Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. You know, it's just like, it's like, we fucking know, but like, just, just, put, on, just put on the album and enjoy it. Yeah. Like, shut up and enjoy it. Exactly. Um, I will say too that like, I don't know whether this is my version or whether this is all versions, but they don't show any track listing or any artist. Um, like, you know, any sort of like personnel lineup Interesting. in the liner notes at all. And you, the only well, the place you see the track listing is on the CD itself. I think mine, my vinyl copy has has that. I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's it's, it's a cool design. I mean, I, you, you got a hand it. It's a really cool album cover. Oh, like, it's it's I mean, there's I, a reason I, it's iconic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. aside, you know, like, I think people, just because something's iconic doesn't mean it's good. Yeah. And so I think, but this is an album cover that I think is just truly good. Yeah. No, I guess for just, the yeah. direction I was going, it's iconic oh, yeah, because no, it's good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't calling you out on that. Yeah. I was just because I think like people, I mean, t-shirts is kind of like the first thing people go to with this, and I, yeah. I get that because it's a cool, it's a cool t-shirt. Yeah, know? it really is. I would love to get one in a way. I probably want to get, I want to get a parody one more. Yeah, because uh, I, I remember seeing like the Simpsons one not too long ago that yeah. I, I think. Anthony Fantano was wearing it, and uh, Disney got in some trouble. Yeah, doing uh, a number of years, but they did. And I think I think they got a cease and desist. I think yeah. they got in trouble. Over yeah, it. something. Yeah. Like that. They, they, someone someone made a um one that it's it's just the album cover, but then it says uh, Depeche Mode. Yeah, boys don't cry. Yeah, over. yeah, like he he has yeah. I think it. I Fantano has that one where it's like, it's just like a mashup of like yeah of it's oh, such a cliche. I should do like Death Grips. Yeah, like I or oh, like or Death Classic. Yeah, yeah. Actually, oh. I, have you ever seen like, this? Is totally unrelated. There's a Death Grips shirt that it's the Seinfeld logo, but it says Death Grips on oh, it instead. <laughs> and I just like That's I want beautiful. that so bad because I'm just like I I love Seinfeld. <laughs> I love Death Grips. It's just like That's bam, awesome. combine the two. I love that. Okay, so final album. Uh, Drive Like Yehu, Yank Crime, and I'm 
pleased to say that my beat up copy of this thing did not skip yesterday. Good. So yeah, yeah. I bought this on CD. I now have it on on vinyl because I I just I saw a pretty cheap colored uh, copy. Um, nice. It was uh, this is a few years ago. Uh, this is such a. Such a... I was getting into post hardcore at this time, and this this album. It's one of those albums when you try to get into a genre, there's always like a handful of releases that pop up again and again and again. And this one, it just looks into like the, the, the album cover album is, cover is just, cool. it stands out. Like yeah. It's, um, just, it's just like odd. Like, like you can't, you're not a hundred percent sure what it's going to be. Yeah. And um, whenever I think of a gang crime, I mean, I think that's yeah. something related to masturbation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe maybe that's the joke. I've but, never. But but uh, like I'm like so so. What does that have to do with ink? Yeah, I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's still super cool. But yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a fucking great post hardcore album. Uh, have you ever seen like? Because I think there's some people that have labeled this as emo. I can see how this in influenced emo. But yeah, I would not classify exactly. It as emo. But I think that's hard for people to pick up on. It's kind of like. Um, like talk talk gets labeled post rock a lot, and like I see where they're coming from, but I don't think that what they did was post rock. I see how how it totally inspired it, but I don't think it's post rock. And I think in this sense, some of the more melodic moments where they get a little a little poppier, and also just the delivery of the vocals, I think was very influential. Just like the like oh, yeah compute like yeah. The, sh- the shouty but a little nasally like it's it's very I, I barely understand the vocals. On it, the sound, but, but like they are great. He shouts a lot, but it's not—it's not like an angry shout. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a nasally, a little bit of an angsty yeah. shout, and I think that may have inspired it. But the music on this is—it's so eclectic. It's like a mashup of noise rock and post-hardcore, a little bit of um, melodic hardcore. There are some moments in this that you know touch on melody. I, I love how singular this is for me. It's just—it's so what they pulled together. Um, yeah I'm, yeah I'm trying to remember like so a while ago back when uh we were under a different name we did a couple we did like five essential post hardcore albums yeah so we had this one we had repeater um repeater. can you remember the other ones that we had refused refused yeah um, um i know i i can't have to drive in oh uh yeah, yeah, yeah okay and that could have been it right i or can't think m- of... maybe unwound was there maybe we talked about it i think there was a fifth album. No, oh maybe it was was it husker do was it zen arcade i think it there was i think the fifth album was one that i wasn't particularly familiar with or like we, i don't think either of us were so oh, i'm trying to remember because i i know th- there was one that i suggested that that we do oh i think it was frotus uh that i, I wanted to do uh and we watched our weapons in the sea yeah uh which is a great album i suggest anybody listen to it but um i can't remember the last one but I remember saying during this episode that, like, this game crime is probably my favorite out of these, and I still stand by that, even though Fugazi is probably, like, one of my favorite bands ever at this point. Yeah. Um, it's so, like, this album is just so, you know, it's so unlike anything else. Yeah. And that's kind of tough to say, especially, I mean, like, even when, you know, we have these bands who are just, you know, sort of playing around with this new sound during like you know late 80s early 90s you know even then we didn't have something that sounded like this like just the way all these different elements sort of came together because like you know sometimes we think of like oh you know something more like punky and like 
maybe a little experimental. So we got like Fugazi, we got Repeater, we got like 13 songs, you know, a like which still has like that punk edge to it. But you hear a little bit of experimentation, especially when it comes to sort of like noise and like feedback and things like that. But then you have this that has like this really like the melodic edge on this thing is really odd. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to remember, do you remember what track it is that has, it, it starts off with like this uh, bright guitar lick. That just keeps repeating over and over and over again. That's I mean, like just personally how I listen to I listen to albums yeah. pretty much from front to back. But also something about this album that's interesting is how the track lengths and, and the the way that it progresses is very odd, um, in a good way. Can you explain like, that? Like I feel like yeah. for me, just looking at, um, like the there are some like seven minute songs that which for post hardcore is um, yeah, it's a little strange. A little strange. Uh, and then there are some like short. Like two or three minute, um, you know, scorchers, and I, I feel like that that's something that sets it apart is that it, it's not like a lot of albums in this genre just kind of like you know three, four, five minutes and like just kind of you know follow a normal progression. Uh, I like how this every song was was different in its own way. Yeah, but it's so. it's all really well crafted. Like, no, for sure. Yeah, like absolutely. It's, it, it's all just yeah. super tight because I think yeah. when you have track lines that are this long, so, so there's the possibility of something being like yeah. repetitive. Uh, and it's not like they they really have everything really yeah. strictly down, um, you know. And even the parts that repeat are just like they're really catchy, um, you know. The, the, the suit up part, yeah. you know, suit up, <laughs> just yeah, like like super cool. I I really don't know what to say, but because like 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 you, I tend not to look at track listing a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but there were a couple tracks here that really interested me in just like. And I, I want us. It could have been "Do You Compute," I think that had that guitar like because I, na, na, na. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great song. Yeah, and like, but I loved how, it, like, it sort of takes like it's it's almost like it stops time in a way, like because the way, the way it's played just has like this weirdness to it that like, sort of throws me off, and then you think that like oh this is maybe just like you know, an intro type of track or like an interlude or like, you know, like you know how like so many metal bands will like do like an opening track that like doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. to open up like the album. Like it feels like that almost, but they're able to work the tr- like drums into it. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's just strange how like, like it almost reminds me a little bit of um the song uh, Anima by Tool mm. that like, you know, it starts off with like that, um, you know, it uses the same rift, but they change the time signature on it, yeah. so it ends up sounding just completely different. Yeah. But that isn't quite what's going on here. It's more like they're able to fit in other elements around it that end yeah. up changing it. And it's, yeah, I, I just think it's it's really cool. I think, yeah, Rick Froberg's vocals on this are great. Guitar is great. Everything's great about it. Yeah. Um, it definitely stands above, you know, above and beyond. It's my favorite post hardcore album as well. I just, it's so, yeah, uh, sing, which is hard to do. I mean, the genre has so many artists that I love. Um, you mentioned yeah. Fugazi. Um, I fucking love Fugazi. Know, um, but it just, it's so unique in, in what it does, how it's performed, how it's written, how it's structured. Um, I, I was a little uh, hesitant because of the the weird track time. Like just everything about it seems. I wasn't sure what I was gonna get when I like very first listened to it several years ago, 
Um, and just from the first listen, I mean, there are some albums in this vein that take a few listens. From the first listen, I was like, this is special. Like, this is great. Yeah. Um, and I'm really glad I, I gave it a try because, I mean, everything about it is a little... It's a little off the beaten path. Like, you know, the, the cover... The cover doesn't yeah. really... Like, everything about, the, at least the presentation of me, it didn't... But it doesn't sound out of place, though. That's, yeah, that's exactly. That's the odd thing. But, like, just the presentation, when I was looking at other post-hardcore albums that were recommended, like, they all kind of had a similar... Or, like, a general... Like, they were kind of designed a certain way, and then, like, the way of the presentation and stuff like that. This just looked, from the cover to, like, all the track times and, like, the, the track names, everything about it. But it just works. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I was thinking, because uh, I was... I was thinking a little bit about Refused during this, just Shape of Punk to yeah. come. Because, like, you know, I, I feel like this this is just as experimental as Shape of Punk to come. And I think it's better because it takes those experimental elements and it really blends them well. Yeah. As opposed to, like, with Refused, like, it, it just... It can be a little choppy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 not a bad album by any means, but, like, it's not as much of a cohesive experience. Like, it just feels like, oh, we're stopping here, we're gonna do, like, this strange riff, or, like, we're gonna do, like, a, you know, hip-hop beat really quick, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Where this thing is just, like, it's very seamless in the yeah. way that it takes all of this stuff and sort of, you know, it, it's still very singular. It's still itself. Yeah. Uh, despite having all these different influences. So. Yeah. Yeah. Any final words? No, I, I would say uh, their self-titled debut often is often overlooked in favor. Which I mean, it, it makes sense because this album's fantastic. I think their self-titled debut is. I don't think it's as good, but it's still a great album. I if, if you're if we're jumping on that, uh, Hot Snakes is really good. Yeah. Awesome band. Uh, they have a album called. Um, oh, I think it's like audit, like tax audit, something like that. Um, everyone's favorite thing yeah it's oh it's a super good album but then their latest album that they came out with uh jericho sirens is still pretty good um yeah okay so i think that's that's about it uh let's talk about albums of the week yeah uh scott what's your album of the week uh so i actually followed through on something i said i was gonna do which is uh is a rare thing because i mentioned when we we reviewed this band uh, this artist's latest album uh, a few months ago, I said I really just I really want to get into them. Like I really want to dive more into the discography, and I actually did. I found one of their albums. I was like, I need to, I need to get it. I'm glad I did. It's uh, the West by Matmos. Oh, um, okay. I don't I don't know if it has a theme. Like obviously we've talked about. Yeah, uh, we were listening to it in the car today. I couldn't yeah. really hear anything. But, it's, but it has. It's five tracks long. There are a few songs that are kind of normal-ish length, like under 10 minutes. And then there's, some that are over 20. Yeah, there's some, well, yeah, one that's over 20. I think there's a couple that's over 10. Um, this really interesting uh, experimental electronic. Uh, it's got some glitch, a little bit of ambient, just some IDM, some just weird kind of soundscape -y stuff. Uh, really cool. And I'm hoping to continue buying their stuff. It was at a kind of a, a thrifty music shop in the mall, and it was like five bucks. So Did you look for more of their stuff today by any chance oh, yeah we they didn't have anything from them really it, because it, usually they have like a, a chance to cut as a chance to cure I yeah think. i mean i I, um, I didn't see i think i saw the card there but i didn't see any releases in the electronic section yeah, that's, um that's fine yeah i love uh love this album love what they do and Damn. hoping to continue finding their albums because i found um the, the civil war i already own the civil war which is they sample old like 
American like roots music from uh, that like that era. Kind of, yeah, that sounds interesting. It's re- it's a really. I was looking at. It, I'm like, how the fuck is this gonna work? And it's it's pretty neat. It's like, a, it's really weird, but it's pretty neat. For some reason, I imagine it just kind of sounding like Moby's like play. Uh, I think it's a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more well done than that. Yeah, but, well, be, because I just think it's like that, that album's so so strange. Like, yeah. I just don't like that album. But anyway, uh, my album of the week is actually an album by one of my favorite artists ever. Uh, and for some reason, I sold this album a long time ago, and I don't know why I did it because I'm kind of stupid, I guess. <laughs> and um, so I ended up actually finding it pretty cheap on Amazon. This week, so I bought it and uh, Florence and the Machine Ceremonials. Their oh, there you second go. album, yeah. I in listening to this thing again, it was so, so good. Like for a long time, I used to consider it my least favorite Florence album. Yeah, and uh, I really can't say that anymore. I really love it. There are some really great tracks, and and her vocals are just always just on point. Just yeah, no matter where she is. Um, yeah, I would say if you're interested, if people are interested to listen to the song Spectrum. Uh, I think that that's a really interesting song. Uh, and the chorus is just so anthemic. So, yeah. That is all we have for this week. Yeah, thanks thanks for listening. Yeah. I mean, the four albums we talked about today are, are pretty essential to their respective genres. So Yeah, essential to us as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, have fun. And we'll talk to you later. Be safe. Bye.